Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> How are you? How goes it? Good. 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 I'm just laughing because um, I'm laughing because when I saw my my like my calendar for today and I saw our appointment, I knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, "He's gonna think this is like the actual podcast recording," and it was really mm. like pre-podcast interviewee thing and it's yeah. because when I sent you the link that's the link that I sent you instead of the link for the actual podcast so I was having just a moment of like okay I know that there's a possibility that we're going to actually record today so let me like mentally prepare for that and then after the fact I realized I could see like when like little email reminders go out if they've been opened or not and I was like mm -hmm pretty sure he didn't check the email that has the link to the zoom in it so it's okay yeah so it all I, worked out it's all it's fine because it's yeah. you and I heard he it's not like you're a complete stranger and I have no idea I've dealt with that with like other like guests where I'm like okay so I'm talking to you for the very first time ever and they're like oh I didn't get your email I'm like I know because you didn't open it <laughs> go back and yeah. but yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to see you. It's good, it's to, good to see you too. Yeah. I know. It's been it's been a minute. So um so yeah, Happy I mean related birthday too. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm still like getting into this new age, you know, <laughs> like, oh okay, so this is what this age feels like and you know, all that. But um, but yeah, I mean you've been you've been a guest on the podcast before years ago, you know, when I first started, mm -hmm. which is kind of a trip because I've had a chance to go back and like re-interview and sit down with some some repeat guests you know from the original days when I was sitting in my car recording in random places mm -hmm. throughout Long Beach because that was the only place I could so yeah. it's kind of cool to like record now and kind of see the the growth the culmination where we've where we've been where we are and um and yeah I just wanted to have a chance to like sit down and talk to you to check in thank you for taking the time to fill out my little questionnaire that's me, you know, trying to be official. <laughs> it's a good question, by the way. Yeah, really good questions on there. Thank you. Thank Pretty you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, so we are recording here and then we're also recording on audio. So I got you covered and um, I just want to dive into this conversation as usual, you know, take up as much or as little space as you'd like with your responses. I'm going to ask some questions. Some are going to sound really familiar because you just filled it out today. And then <laughs> others are ones that I kind of throw into every, every episode. If All there's right. any question that you're like, I'm cool. I don't feel like answering that. Obviously there's no pressure. And, uh, you know, the, the goal here, of course, as always, is just to have enlightening intentional conversations because for whatever reason my listeners really like to talk to the people that I talk to and hear the things that we talk about so hence mm -hmm. the podcast but um mm -hmm. so yeah I'm just gonna give you the the floor and let you take a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners by sharing your name where you're from and what you stand for okay well um my name is Loren and um I am not a Long Beach native, but I consider myself to be one at heart. I've uh, been out here living in Long Beach for about 13 years now. So uh, originally from LA, uh, Culver City. Um, and what do I stand for? Well, um, so much, you know, I, I just stand for just, uh, 
just 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 be real be real be good hearted be kind hearted um i just stand for you know none of the extras shoot it to me straight um you know i just stand for just being around people and encouraging people just to be their true authentic selves um you know life is short and it's complicated in the midst of it being short so it makes it even shorter <laughs> and so with that um, I just really encourage people to always be their true, authentic selves. And that's just what I stand for. Even with my kids, it's just like, you know, shoot it to me straight, be real. Um, um, you know, just, I don't even know how to put it into, you know, the real words of how it feels to me is just, um, I don't know, Keyshawn, I'm just coming around. I'm just, I'm just noticing, you know, I'm about to be 35 and I'm noticing that, um, uh, as I'm getting older, I'm just noticing that so many people are just uh, becoming more, more fake as time goes by. <laughs> so, Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I just stand for like, you know, people just being real, just, uh, you know, just being honest and just being upfront, just being compassionate and humble. That's that's what I stand for. You know, that's what I, that's what I implement my morals and my values. You know, being kind, being honest, showing gratitude, having appreciation. Um, you know, that's just my character and what I really truly stand for. Yeah, I hear you. And you, you know, it's, it's interesting because like you said, as we get older, more mature, more self-aware, I think we just become more cognizant of how people mm -hmm. are fake, phony, or otherwise not real. And I right. think a lot of that also has to do with as we become more of who we are, and being our true self and whole self and showing up, you know, flawed and indifferent and imperfect, mm -hmm. and whatever, that the expectation for other people to do the same thing kind of gets heightened. And so mm -hmm. we're like, I'm out here being my whole self with all my shit, but then everybody else is out here or not everybody, but a lot of other people are out here just kind of letting their persona be their reality and letting their true self be something that either is hidden because they don't want people to know right. or because they don't know is what I'm recognizing as a lot of people don't know who they really are. They don't really know what they're about or what they stand for. They don't really have conviction or self-awareness enough to say, this is who I am. This yeah. is what I value most. This is what's important to me because I think once you get to that place of self-awareness, then you're automatically going to start to peep out anybody who's not and going to start to naturally just eliminate those people mm -hmm. or they eliminate themselves. Mm -hmm. And then I think in place of that, you start to attract the people who are mirroring that same authenticity, you know, that same realness. Yeah, that's, that's mad facts. I think, um, I think once everybody, you know, for better lack of words, it just kind of cuts the bullshit. You really start to strip away those layers and, um, you know, you start to see, like you said, there's people that don't even know who they are. Um, and a lot of the times it's because, you know, they just, they're just covered in too much bullshit. You got to cut all that crap out. You know, you got to fill those layers back in. And, you know, and then that thing too is just the past year is just, you know, it's been a realization to me that we owe it to ourselves. You know, a lot of the times we think we don't or we don't owe ourselves anything, but we really truly do. If anything, we owe ourselves everything. And, um, and in the midst of that, that's being true to yourself and being true to you. And so uh, with that, yeah, I have found that my circle of <laughs> my circle of people are becoming shorter and shorter, the older I get. 
when I was younger, I was like, man, I had everybody. I knew everybody and their mama. I was over here. I was over there. And now that I'm getting older, so my circle is getting smaller. And, uh, you know, about a few years ago, I was like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? But as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm starting to find that a, it's a good thing for me and maybe a bad thing for others. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, that's real. That I think that's exactly what happens. I think it's like when we're younger that we're still trying to figure out who we are. So mm -hmm. we have, you know, different cliques, different groups. We got, you know, 30, 40 people that are like everybody's my best friend, everybody's my people, <laughs> everybody's my this or my that. And then as you become more aware of who you are, then you start to recognize that maybe being in so many cliques or so many spaces meant that in this group, you got to be this person. And over yeah. here, you got to be this other person. And for these people, you got to be this person. And mm -hmm. that gets tiring. You know, yep. over time, you're like, I'm, I don't want to have to filter myself or alter myself or mm -hmm. dim my light or change to be in all these different sets of mm -hmm. people. I'd rather just be my whole self all the time. And if yep. that means that my circle shrinks from 20 to 10 and from 10 to five, then I know I got five motherfuckers I can trust. <laughs> <laughs> that I truly care about, that truly care about me, that are going to have my back, that are about the same things I'm about. I'm good with that. Right Just on. My top five. That's it. That's all I need. Top five. Huh? Let's keep it simple. <laughs> exactly. I feel exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. So some of the questions I asked on my questionnaire, you know, I, I was really strategic and intentional about them because I feel like it's a way for people who don't know, you know, my guests as well as I do to get to know them a little bit better. And it's also kind of a trip for me, like some of people's responses. So I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself in a couple sentences with one of the questions that I asked. And I know some things about you that other people don't necessarily know. And one of the things is that you're a musician and you're a singer and a songwriter. And I want you to tell me a little bit about how you became this type of artist. What brought you to this medium of like artistic expression as a musician and songwriter? Uh, well, it, it started at the age of nine. I was nine years old. Um, uh, I'll give a, a little, I'll give some context to that behind that. So I started music, especially picking up the guitar at a very early age. Uh, basically to escape my trauma as a child. So, you know, I, uh, I grew up, you know, we all have a story and, you know, mine's not as bad as others, but, you know, I, I lost my mother when I was two and then, you know, lived with my grandmother for a while. And then my dad came and got my sister and I when I was about five or six. And then he picked us up and moved away. And uh, he, you know, he married another woman that I didn't care for too much. And so, you know, I dealt with a lot of abuse and a lot of neglect and all that stuff. And so my stepmother had a brother who uh, actually, <laughs> he wrote the song. Do you remember the song that used to go, uh, I saw the sign, it opened eyes, yeah. I saw the sign. Well, her brother wrote that song. He's the writer of that song. Yes, John Darnell, he plays for the Mountain Goats. And he actually has a couple songs and movies. So it's interesting, when he was younger, I would go into his room uh, when we would go visit her, her uh, parents and he would be away on tour and he had all these guitars in his room. And he had broken guitars with like missing strings and stuff. And so I, you know, I would go and sneak in there when he was away on tour and 
uh, start plucking away at the guitar. So that's when I became interested is being around it at that age and then just uh, being able to hold an instrument in my hands and then just hear the sound and then just pluck away and try to just figure it all out. It was really soothing and very therapeutic to me at nine years old. And what does a nine-year-old know about, <laughs> you know, they're having a therapeutic moment, right? So that's how it all started. So I actually started teaching myself guitar on broken guitars first. I never learned how to play a full six string guitar till years later. So I essentially only taught myself how to play on about four strings. And I taught myself by ear and that's how that picked up. And, I, and I've never put it down since. And then, you know, I just started, somebody had to sing the songs that I was writing. So I taught myself how to sing. I was never one of those, oh, I wanna be a singer. Back in the day, put me on Star Search, none of that. I didn't wanna be no Disney kid, none of that. <laughs> you know, Mickey Mouse House Club, none of that. <laughs> so, um, but I just taught myself how to sing. You know, I just started singing and singing to my stuff. And then eventually people started to tell me like, hey, you don't sound half bad. Then I exercised my voice to the point, okay. And then people said, well, damn, you sound pretty damn good. And I said, okay, well, let me keep going then. And that's how that came about. And then just writing too. I've always been a writer at a very, very early age, even in, you know, uh, second grade teachers were thinking, you know, did I really write what I was writing? Because it was so deep and so heavy. You know, I was on some Edgar Allan Poe shit, you know, <laughs> they were just like, You're like what's happening to this seven-year-old? What's yeah, going what's, on here? <laughs> so, you know, you take all that writing and then playing the guitar, teaching myself and then teaching myself to sing and you put all that together. And I came up with my own craft and um, my own signature. And it's been one of my greatest gifts. It's definitely been a God-given a God blessing that, I've, um, that I have, so. Mm. Do you like, do you prefer singer to songwriter, like performer versus provider of music? Which one do you prefer or do you like them both the same? I'm a, I'm a baby face. I like how baby face moves. You know, I like when people hear songs and, um, you know, you're like, you hear Tony Braxton stuff, you hear Mariah Carey stuff, you hear everybody's stuff back in the, you know, 80s and early 90s and stuff. And it's like, Babyface wrote all that. Babyface wrote the whole soundtrack to Wait Until Excel. <laughs> like, you know, he went, he dipped in on that thing. And it's just like so many artists. So I like to write music for other, for other artists and singers. But at the same time, I'll have, you know, mine pop in in there, you know, because they're originals that nobody else can do. Um, for the most part, I just love writing stuff for people to just go ahead and take it and, and, you know, bring my craft out. I like that. I like that. And, you know, the funny part about it is that very few people, unless you really study music, really know who wrote some of their, some of their most favorite songs by their most favorite artists were not necessarily written by the artist themselves, the person oh. who performed it, the person who sang it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people yeah. think, like, even with Prince, uh, uh, the song, um, what, uh, Nothing Compares to You by uh, Shanae O'Connor. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's another one, you know, people think that, you know, that's that's the original, like, Prince wrote that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because I feel like as a, I feel like when you're a songwriter, you probably have so much music in you, so mm -hmm. many lyrics, so many stories, so many things that you want to tell and getting them out of you onto paper or getting them out of you into song is a lot and then the mm -hmm. next stage of it is performing and some stuff you write you're like this is good i don't want to sing this though you know this mm -hmm. isn't necessarily for me or if you have like an artist who 
wants to develop themselves and they don't really understand songwriting it's one thing to just put lyrics on a page it's another thing to put lyrics to music and make mm -hmm. it make sense and make it like really hit so i think that's a a skill that a lot of performers don't necessarily have as songwriters too you know so that's something mm -hmm. that i feel like those are something that's why prince is a prince you know what i'm saying <laughs> like, He's a singer and a songwriter and a musician and a performer. Quincy Jones, you know, it's just so many, so many legends, you know, uh, that's, it's a craft. Like you said, it's, it's so much, there's so much structure that goes behind it too. You have to bring your music to life. It's like a filmmaker, you know, when you think of some of the best filmmakers, you know, when they bring their movies to life and stuff, you know, everything they poured into it, you know, they got to get the right actors and you got to get the right music. And it's, right. it's really a package deal for sure. Right. No, I feel you. So you mentioned a little bit about growing up and, you know, like you said, everybody kind of has a story and something that I know that stood out to me about you when we first met, which feels like a hundred years ago, even though it wasn't <laughs> long ago, but it feels like it was a long time ago, is that you are a former foster youth. So mm -hmm. you aged out of the foster system into the adult, you know, person that you are today. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like aging out, like what came next and how you kind of found your footing? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a it was a tough time. Um, um, I'm say back way back then, back back in the day, you know, it, the system has changed for foster youth a lot. It has grown and excelled, uh, which is which is beautiful um, so that former foster youth have a better, uh, you know, a better platform uh, to transition into their adulthood. But uh, when I had aged out, um, well, I went into I went into foster care a little later when I was a teenager. Uh, when you know, I just had enough with my dad and him and I just we went toe to toe one night. I call it when the wolves rumbled that night. I actually stood up to him <laughs> that night and then I ran away and I went into the foster care system. Uh, so I was in the foster care system for about uh, maybe about four. Yeah, about four, four or five years. Yeah, four or five years. And, you know, you bounce around a lot. But then when I had graduated high school, I was actually in a group home. And there's a difference. You know, you have foster homes where you have foster families. You know, you have like a foster parent that takes people in their actual home. And then you have like group homes that are more facility based type of, you know, buildings. You know, it's kind of like a little baby jail. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, so I, I ended up uh, emancipating from a group home. And it wasn't good, you know, uh, it was about four days after my birthday, it was in the summertime and they gave me the boot. And so they just found me a spot somewhere in Corona um, and gave me a $25 gift card to, to Stater Brothers uh, to get some groceries. And then told me by the time I found a job, I would be able to pay the rent where I was and I should be good to go. Um, I wasn't left with any resources or anything. And so, um, it was a very bad experience. I actually experienced being homeless uh, after that for uh, for a little while, for a few months. I was I was actually living on the street. I had hitched back to Palm Springs because you know I grew up in Palm Springs for a while, and I was actually living on the street. And I was using my guitar to make money for me. So I was washing up in a Jack in a Box bathroom, and you know I said if I'm gonna be homeless, I gotta make it look good. And so <laughs> so that's what I did. We played my music and sometimes I get lucky enough to to make enough to stay in a hotel or a motel that night, and buy me some food, but it was tough. The foster care system for me was, I didn't have the platform or the foundation to really get a good footing into my adulthood. I had to, I had to figure it out. And so I went through, oh my God, so many, 
loops and turns uh, just to get to where I'm at now. But I honestly feel I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't go through what I did. You know what I mean? Sometimes those challenges need to take place in order for you to grow and have a different perspective on life to get you where you're at now. Right, right. Well, and I and I think about what you shared in your questionnaire about you getting into housing development for affordable housing as like the career that you're in now. And it's interesting when you think about the things that you've lived, you know, the places that you've been, the places that you've slept, right. literally, can uh -huh. kind of put you in alignment with doing things that are going to benefit other people so that maybe other people don't have to go through what you went through or have as difficult of a time as you did to be able to make those transitions. And I always think it's so, it's so interesting to me how creatives, I don't know about you, but I feel like <laughs> most creatives that I know go through the most shit. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, do we really have to have it so hard? You know what I mean? Like, can yeah. it just be easy? But sometimes yeah. I've talked to a lot of creatives and some of us feel like we create our best stuff, writing, music, dance, whatever it is, when we're in the trenches. Do you have yeah. Hell yeah, I'll be on some uh, eight mile shit, Eminem shit, like, you know, like that low for real. Yeah. You know, back now that, you know, I've kind of, you know, I got my stuff together now, you know, I'm, 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 I'm living well and I've, I've done pretty damn good for myself. And I'm thinking like some of my music now, I don't have time for my music now. I think I don't, you know, I got too much going on. But back then I kind of, sometimes you almost miss it. You almost miss those moments of when you slept in your car or when you had to take the bus or ride the train, because there's no, there's no more, the moment, that beautiful, beautiful moment that you get to experience in just that creative world, whatever your niche is, whatever you've been blessed with your gifts and everything. And when you bring that and craft that out, it's just, it's, it's, it's a liberating experience. And then, so when you let life and things get in the way, it kind of takes from it, you know what I mean? It becomes more of a, I don't know, it becomes more of like a to-do thing on your list opposed to just being who you are. You are the creative, the creative is you, you know what I mean? So I That's do. Cool. That's cool. <laughs> I, I was talking to my son about it the other day, you know, he's a creative filmmaker, writer, and we were having a conversation about, you know, his plans, like he's got two years before he graduates from film school, what he wants to do next. And I was saying, you know, he's like, I know I'm going to be in the trenches for a while because that's when I create my best stuff. And mm -hmm. I was telling him, you know, like, it's okay to create when you're comfortable. And he was like, mm -hmm. no, I got to be uncomfortable so I can keep creating. Oh. And it's so real, though, because I know that feeling, you know, mm -hmm. writing my first book or like putting out some of my best work as far as like the the teaching or the coaching or the concepts of the things it was when my back was against the wall even with this podcast mm -hmm. when i started it in 2018 to now i know that i've put out way less than i was doing that first year that second year because we get comfortable we get yeah. comfy we got you know doors windows keys and cars now so it's like i mean i'll create something when i get to it even mm -hmm. though I think that's because the creative work that we're doing was therapeutic because mm. we we're going through so much at the time and we needed something to be able to channel our energy into, to be able to distract ourselves in a lot of ways from everything that was going on, a way to kind of tell our story. Whereas when we kind of level up, 
you know, we get, we get spouses and children and homes and, you know, we're doing okay. We're not worried about how to keep the fucking lights on. We're like, okay, I got to write a song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I going to write about? <laughs> yeah. Our time becomes just wanting to just be, just chill on the couch, just lay, just watch a movie, just do something. And, and that's okay. You know, we always want to give that to us, but if that's becoming more frequent and you don't, and like I told myself, and I'm not focusing on my craft and I'm like, you know, to me, that's, that can be a little problematic. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Because then we end up feeling that that creative energy ends up getting transitioned into just like eating too much, drinking too much, sleeping too much, yeah. not doing shit. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, it's like that energy needs somewhere to go. So I want to talk a little bit about one thing that I ask my guests now is, you know, like you said earlier, everybody has a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And I really truly believe that it is by telling and hearing the stories of others that we really better understand ourselves or also Mm -hmm. give ourselves a chance to really explore ourselves a little bit more. So one of the things that I ask my guests is, what is something about you that most people don't know? Hmm. Well, it depends. It depends on the group. It depends on the group of people that I associate with. If it's my close friends, well, you know. Uh, well, okay. A lot of people actually, and I'm gonna be very vulnerable and transparent here, like super vulnerable and transparent, because this is what this is for. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I feel like I'm talking to Oprah right now. <laughs> super soul. <laughs> I'm lean in like. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, no, actually a lot of people around me don't know that actually this past year has been probably the worst I've ever been depressed, like ever before. Even, even like I just told you, you know, like my whole <laughs> um, thing with experiencing homelessness and all that, you know, it didn't, it didn't affect me the way that I've been affected this past year. And so <clears throat> a lot of people don't know that I have been battling depression really bad because I'm just not that, I don't come off like that. I come off like, you know, like, you know, Lowe's got it together. Lowe is sharp. Lowe is this, you know, you know, Lowe is always in good spirits. Lowe is, you know, the one you turn to when you need a helping hand and everything. And so, but man, I got hit with depression so hard like never before it rocked it it laid my ass out and a lot and it's because a lot of people don't know that I'm transitioning right now so a lot of people don't know that you know I have we just talked about the beginning of the discussion of this podcast about being you know our true authentic selves and stripping back those legs you know taking those layers off of fooling ourselves okay let's take that off okay I'm bullshitting myself here you know I don't like hanging out with this crowd why am I acting like this why am I having this job and start peeling that stuff off but yeah you know I have always battled you know always feeling like a guy my whole entire life since I've been a little little ass kid and so now that I've been transitioning I thought it was going to be all grits and gravy I get that testosterone I'm transitioning and that shit knocked me on my ass, you know, and this is things that aren't being talked about on YouTube. And I'm like, you know, I, I probably should put this out there. Like, I don't know what other trans guys are saying, but you have to have some thick ass skin to be ready for this shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you go into discovering a new part of yourself that you have now just kind of, you know, a- accepted within yourself. And then now, you know, your chosen family or your chosen tribe, you've done told and then now 
everyone's adjusting, you're adjusting, uh, you know, dysphoria kicks in, you know, before I was the stud that was always, you know, I, man, I take my guns out any day, you know, I've always been big, I show more, now I'm all covered. Now, you know, summertime, you can't catch me, I'm covered, I'm wearing a damn sweater because I got to get ready for top surgery. And so now that really put me in a deep depression. Right. And, and that's one thing a lot of people don't know that's been going on is that. And people, if I told people, they'd be like, what, Lo, Loren, like depressed like that? Nah, no way. I'm the one that you come to for advice. So I'm like telling you like, come on, man, dust yourself off, shit, shit happens. Like, you know, pray about it, whatever. But no, it's been real, it's been real. That's, that's real because, <laughs> I mean, for so many reasons, I think that obviously, well, one, you know, last year we were all hit with the fucking pandemic, you know right. what I mean? And that shit came out of nowhere. And being in quarantine, putting us in spaces with our families or loved ones in a way that we'd never probably experienced them before, that shit hit hard. Yeah. And then on top of all of that, going through a life-changing transition in this state, <laughs> in age in this quarantine it like all those things compounded on top of each other on top of being isolated and yeah. separated from the chosen family or the safe spaces that you would normally socialize in or whatever all those things combined hell yeah i would say i don't know anyone personally in my top five my inner circle who wasn't hit hard by depression in the last 18 months and it showed up a little bit differently for all of us. It manifested a little bit differently for all of us. We've all been feeling it though, you know? Mm -hmm. And the crazy part about it, not crazy, but the strange part about depression is it has a way of making us feel like we're the only ones who are experiencing it. When in mm -hmm. reality, all of us are feeling it. We're all just coping with it in a different way. Some of us are talking about it. Some of us are going quiet. Some of us are working out. Some of us are just eating all the time. Some of us are sleeping all the time. Some of us are doing a combination of all three and some of us ain't doing shit, you know? So I think the, what I appreciate about this connection is that there's so much love here and there's so much trust here that I'm like, I know something's up with my friend. I know that they're over there going through changes because I know I'm going through fucking changes and I'm just going through changes as like, are we all going to die? What's going on? <laughs> right, yeah. Is, it, is this all about is this to be over? Is this it? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But then, and then on top of that, going through my own, what in a lot of ways feels like a re-coming out experience because of mm -hmm. my relationship with my father, you know? Mm -hmm not having a close relationship with my father growing up, not having a deep connection with him, truly mm -hmm. just despising his existence for the majority of my childhood into early adulthood. Mm -hmm. And now getting to the point where we're co-hosting this weekly Bible talk, fucking Which meditation. Beautiful, by the way. And I'm like- Beautiful, I love that. I love that, I love that. Okay, and the big reason why I stay co so committed to it is because that's part of my healing. Uh -huh. part of me saying and I tease him all the time it's like because I'm a good Christian I'm a good person that's why yeah. this ain't about you but it's about me you know but uh -huh. but it's really serving as therapy for me because uh -huh. it's me shifting and changing and not trying to hide who I am not avoiding conversations about my my sexual preference or my relationship and my queerness, mm -hmm. like not covering those things, taking mm -hmm. off some of those layers. So I feel like 
what's been serving me really well is facing the depression head on and mm-hmm. really letting myself feel the feeling. And instead of trying to hurry up and get out of it, just kind of be in it like, well, what, what is this? What's uh-huh. happening right now? You know, what, where is this coming from? And then on top of what you're experiencing, I know you shared in your questionnaire that you're almost at nine months of being yeah. on testosterone. And yeah. I, I don't yeah. even know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the fact that you're still showing up for your family, for your partner, for uh-huh. your job, you're doing a lot. Yeah, just got a promotion too last week before I took his on. Like, and I also just got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because it's the interesting thing is that even when we feel, when we know we're going through things, we know we're depressed, we know we're not showing up as the best versions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's a trip to me that not a lot of people can see that because even in the midst of the pandemic and having to work from home and then having two additional kids now that I raise and then a partner. So there's three kids in the house, you know, and then my transition, you know, like you said, you know, I was surprised. I was surprised when they told me they wanted to give me the director position, you know, at this company. And I'm thinking like, wait a minute, I have been, I actually haven't been showing up as my best self, but they think I've been killing it. You know what I mean? And so that just goes to show me, oh, that's because I was giving a thousand percent, but now I'm just giving a hundred percent. And so, because, you know, I'm the type of person that goes above and beyond. And so now I'm just, I'm giving you a hundred percent, but I'm not giving a thousand. And so I had to celebrate that for myself too, and acknowledge that about myself. Like, oh, you know, when I take a back seat, a lot of the times it's a hundred percent because I'd be doing the most, but the, um, yeah, the transition and the testosterone, I'm telling you, man, this testosterone, I finally got my endocrinologist to get me on a good dosage. Thank okay. God. <laughs> you have to go through, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what, yeah. what the experience has been like and what you've been feeling? And So the first thing is first, you have to, you have to be comfortable with, with needles. So if you are a queasy with needles, I mean, I got every Friday, I have a needle about this, this long that I got a- Like a gummy version if I chew it up, you know? <laughs> Man, I'm still waiting, but I, I mean, don't bother me, but it's like, I'm still waiting, but they ain't got nothing. They got some cream and they got some foam, but they say that stuff gets everywhere. And if you come in contact with it, everybody will be on testosterone. So they don't suggest it. Okay. <laughs> everybody ain't transitioning. Yeah. Just- you can't wash your clothes in the same laundry. It's, it's a trip. It's too many oh, restrictions. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But you know, it, um, it, in the beginning, you know, the estrogen is being blocked out. And so now, you know, all those female hormones are being pushed out and testosterone's coming in and saying, yo, this is what it is. Yo, we're here, we're finally here. Yo, this is what we've been waiting for this moment. And so, but it comes with the mental, it, it takes you on, on a huge mental roller coaster. You know, I, I was up and down in dosages. So I, I experienced moments of like, like some roid rage a little bit. And then I had days where you have high peaks and low peaks. So then on my low peak, I was like a grandpa. I couldn't get out the bed for three days, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it, it really takes a lot, you know, when you're pumping your body up with these hormones and it just goes to show you like shit, the, 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 the areas and where you're, you're willing to travel to be who you are is like, it's a trip. It's a trip, you know? <laughs> like the people that you're willing to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trip. yeah. But that's so. real. I mean, if you, it, it's not like, I mean, women will sit in a hair salon 
for seven hours to just get an install done. And that's just a wig, you know what I mean? Or a yeah. wig. that's just a, a temporary, you know, change mm -hmm. just their appearance. So you imagine being a, a trans person yeah. known since childhood, that mm -hmm. this is who you're, you're designed to be. This is yeah. who you're meant to be the lengths that you go through to get to that, that sweet spot where you just feel whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's probably not a, you know, a cakewalk, you know what I mean? It's not a walk in the park. How are you, how are you feeling as you're approaching this nine months? How much more time do you have? And you know, what, what's coming next? Well, the thing is, is that, you know, once you start it, you, you, you're on it for the rest of your life. Okay. So that's, that's first and foremost, you can choose to depending, you know, it's a case by case thing, you know, you don't have to, being transgender, you know, doesn't even mean that you need to be on hormones. You can just, you know, identify as to how you want to identify and change your clothes, what you wear, and, you know, you're trans. You know, you say, hey, this is me. I'm trans. Some people are stealth. Stealth meaning they don't want nobody to know they're trans. That's how I am. I'm both. Okay. I'm stealth mode with a certain group. Okay. And then certain group, I'm, I'm out in the open. Okay. And so. It's just certain people that they don't understand, you know, and I'm like, they haven't known me my whole life. So I'm like, I ain't even trying to do all that, you know, but, um, and, it, it, you know, it's crazy because it's, it's honestly in the church, the church, I'm like, I'm super scared to come out at the church because they don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. So, you know, for those who will listen and watch this later, I have known Loren for I would, it's almost, I want to say it's five years, but it might only be three, but it feels like 10 and that's a good thing. So <laughs> I, <laughs> so I have been doing a lot of research since last year, well, late last year, early this year, when you told me what your plans are and you told me about this, this realization and like this moment of like, this is my truth and I'm sharing it with you friend. And I remember in that moment feeling super grateful that I got to be one of the chosen few that you are open with and, and out with and real with. And then from that moment, I started watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts and watching TikTok videos. And every once in a while, I'll learn something and kind of ask you like, okay, is this legit? Is this okay? And what do I do with this? And so, and the reason I share that is because I know that a lot of people who have the privilege of being one of the chosen few that have a transgender person in their life who feels mm -hmm. comfortable and safe enough to be able to come to them and, and talk to them about their experiences. Mm -hmm. There's so many questions that come up and mm -hmm. some of them we feel like, is that a goofy question? Is that offensive? Can I ask him that or should I yeah. just keep it to myself? Yeah. So one of the things that like you mentioned in your responses is being stealth and open and mm -hmm. then also saying like that you don't have to have a hormone replacement therapy to qualify mm -hmm. as being transgender. That one day I text you and was like, what is this medical, legal and social trans? Yeah. What does that mean? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, um, again, you have, so I'll talk about it in terms of, you know, transgender men because Sounds I good. can't, speak on behalf of transgender women because I absolutely don't I have no clue what that even entails only that I know that if we do the hormones we're going through the same thing <laughs> we're changing okay. we're changing gender we stop it okay so, <laughs> but for transgender for trans men you have you have there's so many ways in how you identify as 
you know, being trans and, you know, you have trans masculine. So I'm trans masculine, okay. which means, and trans masculine for me is like, you know, man of all mans, you know, when I'm trying, I need the hormones, I need to get the beard coming in and you can't see it here, but I got some facial hair coming in. You'll see it on Friday. And, um, you know, I got to get the top surgery done. And then there's bottom surgery. Well, that's a different, we'll have a topic about, we'll have a conversation on that later. I don't know if I'm going to do all that and I'll tell you my reasons why, but you know, there's, you know, and then, and then you have trans men who are like queer, which means they, they have always known themselves to be men and they identify as he, him, his, but they've always been attracted to men. Mm. So, you know, they're, they, they're like a trans queer male. You know what I mean? I'm more kind of like the trans guy who would essentially be like, I always tell myself, wow, if I was actually born cisgender male, I probably would have been heterosexual because how I identify is a trans masculine male who is attracted to women, well, one woman, so I don't get, you know, dinged on this. For the record. <laughs> for, for the record. But, you know, and feminine women, you know, your average feminine woman, all woman, hair, makeup, everything. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm trans. I'm part of the LGBTQ community, but you know, I'm still only attracted to women. And I saw an offensive at a very offensive. Uh, <laughs> so see, this is why I don't post shit on, on social media. I had posted some, something and someone had commented and told me, uh, uh, what they say, they said, uh, you're just a lesbian hiding behind a beard. Mm. I said, the you know, it's just like, see, this is the thing. So this is why I say you got to have some thick skin because as soon as you start coming out, it starts, they start coming for you. And I mean, it's just different when, with the LGBTQ community, the T, the T's, we, the T's, there's a different treatment there. You know what I mean? Because even within the LGBTQ community, people within the LGBTQ community are having a hard time understanding the trans community. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we all a part of it, but I got some questions. Like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought, just either like we like the same sex you know what I mean so it's like you know but yeah you have that and uh um in medical so I'm doing the hormones and then you have if you don't want to do hormones you can just again it's by your clothing maybe you cut your hair mm -hmm. um and then two I have seen like you know trans individuals who identify as male but they got makeup on and fingernails done but they're like I go by he him his and then you have non-binary you know what I mean and so and then you have trans who were actually trans individuals who were born intersex, which means they were actually born both male and female. And now we are just living in a day and age to where they can actually choose, hey, I can actually come out and actually be who I've always thought I, I know myself to be. And so it's just, it's, it's a trip, Keyshawn, like. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. imagine. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I can say as a, you know, a member of the Alphabet Mafia, of the LGBTQIA plus community, I can honestly, I can honestly say that there, I mean, until I would say maybe the last five to six years, my knowledge and awareness of the transgender community and the unique experiences of transgender men and women was very limited, you know, mm -hmm. and it was just because it wasn't talked about, it wasn't happening in conversation as frequently. And anytime that someone that I knew as a lesbian woman transitioned, they just disappeared, you mm -hmm. know, for a while. They disappeared from the community. They weren't coming around mm -hmm. to 
social spaces anymore. They, yeah. you know, disappeared from social media and then they just reemerged as their whole self. And right. it's like, oh man, I, I wish I had known. I would have, <laughs> you know, sent you some flowers and yeah. or something. You know, I didn't know you were going through all that stuff, you know? And yeah. I understand though, because there's so much resistance or mm -hmm. rejection, I'm sure that probably comes from being in that space that you kind of just put your walls up, you know, mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm only going to be around who I feel safe being around. But I know um, a friend, Kai, who, when I met, you know, they were, it was prior to them stepping into their whole self. And I felt again, grateful that mm -hmm. I got a text and I got a Facebook message like, Hey, this is what's going on in my life. This is where I am. And I was like, cool. Yay. So, I mean, maybe I just, maybe I just get the notice. I'm cool with that. I get to be the one who gets to know about who gets yeah. to be supportive because now it's been years, you know, and they live in the Bay area now. And to see the transition, not from the neck down, as mm -hmm. I call it, but from the neck up to see the light, you know, in mm -hmm. their eye, see the smile change and just feel a little bit brighter to just see so much of their whole self coming out of them just is such a beautiful thing to witness, you know? So I am, um, I just, my, my intention and my encouragement for people who are listening or watching this is be willing to learn, be willing to listen, and mm -hmm. just be willing to know that there's shit you don't know. And if you don't know, ask the question with the intention of understanding, not judging. And of understanding. Just ask with the intention of understanding, because I know that for me, I'm grateful that you are going through this now, mm -hmm. that you're not waiting another year or another two years or another, like, it's like, no, I'm doing this now. This is a life-changing experience and I'm stepping into this now because I'm like, yeah, good, do it. So we can start having fun again. <laughs> A tough summer for me but I tell you know it's my time is is you know my time is now but I feel like you know like you said your friend that just left and because if you notice I'm not on social media much anymore I've kind of you know I was always posting every everything posting all the time yeah. you know traveling here doing this always always posting things but now I'm just very behind the scenes uh because I just want to also just make sure I take care of myself I'm I I will lose sight of taking care of myself and I don't want it to be you know long-term you know damage emotional damage that i'm doing to myself so i'm like you know what if i need to fall back i got my through i could text you i could text people but you might not see me on social media for a while yeah. you know gotta protect myself yeah yeah, yeah. so i want to switch gears just a little bit and oh. this is the portion of the podcast where i throw some of my other goofy questions at you so <laughs> one of the questions that i like to ask in in these you know and i love reading people's answers because everybody's answers are so unique but they're also very similar mm. for whatever reason a lot of people want to live in one particular place if they could so one of the questions i have for you <laughs> is if you could reside anywhere in the world where would you live and why oh yeah thailand man oh man i love me some thailand do a lot of people say that a lot of people say just asia Thailand, yeah. Bali, Vietnam. I mean, it's yeah. like, what's, I haven't been to Asia yet. So maybe I'll need to go and then that's where I'll end up. I haven't been to Asia yet. Not yet. And, oh, you meant, okay. Thailand for me, when I went a few years back, 
the one thing that I just noticed, and then too, I was, I, you know, I had, I made some stops in Asia, you know, we went to Taiwan and stuff, and it's just, you know, everyone there is just so full of love mm. and, 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 and free. And, you know, and yeah, you know, people are like, oh, I don't know how you can travel to a third world country like that. And da, 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 da. I'm thinking like, wait a minute, hold on. Because they don't, out there, they just don't live the way that we do out here in the US, man. We got it all twisted, you know what I mean? Everyone there just wants to feel loved and to be loved and feel accepted and just to not live in fear. And they don't, and they don't project that out there. And so for me, Thailand, you know, I'm just like, the food is amazing. I didn't like it when I first went, but now I love it. And aside from that, it's just it's just everything. Nature is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's very similar to Bali to me, but I'm like, you know, it's just a place. It's the people. It's the people, you know, you are who you hang around. And so, and it's just stepping out the door. I'm just like, man, if I could live in Thailand and just, you know, wear my sandals and it's still raining and it feels good and the skin is glistening and black people just be shining like gold and we're praised out there. Black people praised everywhere we go outside of the US. Do you know that? <laughs> we can go anywhere outside the country. We're like, they be like, oh, you know, like this to us. The chosen it's, people, yes. People. But yeah, it's just Thailand. It's just, it's just that culture. It's just that vibe. It's the energy that the people have out there always with love, always with peace, the temples, uh, you know what I mean? Like the monks, you know, I'm just like every, everything is just, it's just right. Keyshawn. I can't even, mm -hmm. you know, when you get the chance and I know with the pandemic and everything, everybody's like, yeah, I may have to go to, I don't know. I'm gonna have to go to a different continent, but you got to go visit Thailand and just Asia as a whole. It's mm -hmm. a beautiful place. The people are beautiful. I've heard good things. And I have I have friends who, who are in Sri Lanka mm. and friends who are in parts of India. So I know when I go, I'm gonna have to go for like six weeks to just bounce around and visit oh. a couple different countries. But it's it's on my list. It's on my list for sure. So Thailand, okay, yeah. A couple, you're like the third person who said Thailand. And then some other people said other places. So I'm like, okay, so mm. clearly I need to go. Yeah. So my next question that I have for you is if you woke up tomorrow morning with, 100 million dollars in your yeah. bank account what is the first thing you would do <laughs> first thing i'd be like we got a problem this is a mistake no i would um you know first thing i would actually do the very first thing i would actually do and this is just this is real i would honestly for me i'd have to take a minute and sit with myself and pray about it and just really sit and say okay, what comes to me? What am I supposed to do with this money? Yep. This is a lot of money. I don't want to start, I don't even want to pay off debt yet. I want to just sit with myself for a minute and go, okay. And I know for the most part, me and just why I'm here living in this flesh and this shell right here on this earth, you know, I know I've always been a very giving person, you know, especially when it comes to money. And so honestly, I would feel I've been blessed with that money to give a lot of it away to those that need it or put it into a nonprofit, uh, create a charitable organization, um, give it to, you know, you know, you hear this all the time with charitable organizations, people are like, oh yeah, I donate here and I donate there. But really, if I got a hundred million dollars and I prayed about it and God said, you got to get rid of all of it. And it just came to me and said that I, I probably would get rid of all of it, like on some real shit, because I believe that when we get blessed with with riches like that and we really do 
what's the, in our best intentions to do right by that money, we reap the real wealth and the riches in the end and the blessings in the end. That's what we really want. And so that's just something I believe in. And of course, I want to be comfortable and be like, okay, I want to make sure you're good. You're good. The kid's good. Y'all good. Okay. Probably not going to get this Tesla, but maybe I'll get this Chevy, you know, this Chevy truck, you know, <laughs> but really though. <laughs> no, that's real. That's real. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's another question that I ask every guest. And I would say probably 80% of responses are one, make sure the shit is accurate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sit on it for a couple of days, you know, make sure the bank didn't make a mistake. And mm -hmm. then after they take care of themselves within reason, mm -hmm. it's always a pay it forward, you know, take yeah, care always. of them, provide for others. And it's interesting because, you know, I think about the billionaires of our world, you know, the Beyonce's, the Jay-Z's, the Bezos, the these, the those. And I don't know their whole life, you know, I don't know how much they're giving back we do see a lot of their wealth and their opulence and their material, you yeah. know, their materialism and the materialism of their lives. Yeah. And I also know that I believe, you know, too much, you know, what is it like to who much is given much will be required. So I right. like to be able to be given or gifted that substantial amount of material wealth all at one time. I do feel like there would be a duty and a responsibility on the shoulders of someone like you, someone like me to say, okay, I need to make sure that I'm reaching back. I need to make sure that I'm yeah. back because I want to make sure that I'm always going to continue to be taken care of as I go forward. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. That's real. That's real. I have, so I have, this is my favorite part of the podcast, which is where I do these quick, complete the sentence. So we're going to do complete the sentence before I let you go. So the first one is I am happiest when. When I'm drunk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I am happiest when I'm playing music, when I'm playing my guitar. Mm. Mm. How about, I know I'm fed up when? When, 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 when you just keep having a shitty day back to back and it just don't stop. That, that's honestly, it's just like a repetitive days of shitty days. That's when I'm fed up. I'm just losing my shit. <laughs> How about, I know I've made an impact when? Um, when I've just, uh, you know, given whatever I can to people, provided whatever I have to give to people, anything, it could be money, it could be my home, it could be anything, anything in that nature. Yeah. Spirituality is. Spirituality is trusting in it. Mm-hmm. So before we leave, leave, I'm doing this fun activity where we're going to get into a time machine. So you're going to close your eyes for a moment, take hey. a deep breath in, and you're going to step into a time machine. And we're going to travel all the way back to when you were 16. Mm. Step out of the time machine and you see your 16-year-old self. What is the first thing that you say? I hope I'm going to be okay. Mm. Yeah. So we're 
we're going to step back into the time machine and take a deep breath in. And as we exhale, we're going to go all the way forward. Don't know how far forward, but all the way to the end. What do you want to be remembered for? my time mm. that's good mm -hmm. so we're gonna my come all the way back your time that's good that's good yeah so we're gonna step back in we're gonna come all the way back to the present moment here and now and you can open your eyes when you're ready and before I let you go, I'm going to pull one card from this trusty Oracle deck that I've been using with this podcast since I started it. <laughs> and I'm going to let you pick a number between one and 52, and I will read your little message. What's your number? 33. Ooh, 33. Okay. Mm. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> I mean, they're all good. I feel like I say that about all of them, but this <laughs> This is a good one. They all good. Um, so this one, the message is open your presence, open mm. your presence. And the message says, have you ever seen a time-lapse film of a flower blooming its petals opening wide? That's your new role model. Visualize yourself opening your arms wide, embracing all the prosperity and abundance that's flowing your way. Receive, 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 then pass it on. Mm. That was it. That was that was actually that was meant for me to hear. That hit that hit it right on the button. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, my brother, I appreciate you so sincerely for carving out this time in your ultra busy schedule for coming on, for sharing, for opening up, for being so vulnerable. I really feel like the conversations that you and I have had since we've met have always been so powerful and humorous and enlightening and inspiring and vulnerable all at the same time. And that's why I wanted to, to have you back on to share a little bit more of your story. I think that you are doing a courageous, fantastic job as a person, as a father, as a future husband, and most important to me as a friend. And I just want you to know, I love you. I support you. I got you. And I can't wait to hang out with you soon. I appreciate you, Sean. Much love to you, sis. I'll see you on Friday. All right. Peace. <laughs> Thank you, Deez.